flip mode. 9-7. Bust a bus. Hatch. Check it out. Hit you with no delay into what you saying, yo. Uh, Silly with your ice, grilly with the dilly, yo. What? When I be on the mic, yes, I do my duty, yo. While up in the club, like we while in the studio. Uh, you know when the violate, baby, really and truly, yo. My uh, main thug, villain ain't Julio, he moody, yo. What? Type of rubber that'll slap you with the Tulio. Wow. Real shucks, get the death, act fruity, yo. X that, look at shorty, she a little cutie, yo. How you doing, man? What's up, Tyler? How you doing today, sir? I'm good, man. Uh, it's it's another another week. Blessing, highly favored to be here as always. Um, you know, I think anytime we get closer to the finality of a season, uh, you, you start to get that feeling, man. It's it's just like when you get to March Madness, come Final Four time, you know what time it is, right? You know that as things tighten up, there's a lot more concerns. Coaches have to make adjustments, but you know somebody's gonna be crowned in a month, right? So I'm I'm glad that we'll be able to see that. Uh, but I'm good, man. Good as always without you. I'm doing all right uh weird news before the pod but that's a whole different pod i don't even want to go there for real um just living living life it's a uh, midweek getting early midweek getting that thing going and it is weird um because like well, something i do probably people do all the time but whenever it's like any sport when it's like a final four or even eight left i'll look at i'll imagine the world where every different franchise wins a ring yeah Right. So like I'm already because I'm at this point, Mavs are out. So I imagine what a Boston ring would look like, how that would solidify Jalen and Jason looking at a Miami ring, how that would change Jimmy's career, Kyle's career. Spoke is more credibility looking at Golden State, how that becomes a whole different thing. Like if stuff gets four. All right. Conversations start getting weird as far as like, you know, who ran his arrow, Steph or LeBron. And then like, oh, wow, J. Martin Willie, you know, that that's fun, too. Uh, and hey, if the Mavs come back from a 3-0 lead and get the chip, then Luka is about, about to be his lead. You know, you never know. Um, so that's kind of always fun. But before we get into the nitty gritty, welcome to Bottom of the Net. I'm your co-host, Chris Best. I'm joined by my co-host, Tyler Dandridge. We're here to talk basketball, talk life, mostly basketball, let's be honest. But uh, yeah, this is us. You want to uh, follow the pod, you can follow us on Instagram at Bottom of the Net Podcast, Bottom of the Net Pod on any platform, any Googles, any Bings will pop up. Here we are. Um, so yeah, bro. Can we, Okay, I, before we say rest in peace to Mavs and go down that path, I'll take it bit by bit. Draft lottery came out. Strange. Um do you think they have too much theatrics with the draft lottery? Or are you comfortable with what we're doing right now, half an hour before a game? You think it should be an hour? You think this whole thing's stupid? Where are you at? Yeah, I mean, traditionally and historically, I don't have a problem with it. The big reasons, um, you know, I think it is something for teams, you know, fans of teams that don't have anything to look forward to. You know, obviously the, the playing has changed a lot of the competitiveness that happens at the end of the season, but there's still a lot that goes on for some of these rebuilding teams that could change the arc of their franchise. So, you know, this was the first year the Lakers didn't have a horse in a race. Unfortunately, our pick was going to uh, the Pelicans vis-a-vis a trade that shouldn't have Number been. Eight. <laughs> but Number uh, eight. Yeah, I, I didn't have a dog in a fight, you know, three, four years ago, five years ago when COVID was here and we were – uh, playing for ping pong balls, Lonzo, uh, Brandon Ingram, Kyle Kuzma, those boys came through the draft. It was something to look forward to. But at this point, it is kind of theatrical. I don't mind it, though. It probably could be shorter. I don't know if it had, needs to be this full drawn-out event. They got everybody in the suits. It, it is what it is. But, I mean, I think if you're a fan of a team that's in the race, it's really exciting. Shout out to the yeah. Thunder, by the way. You know what I'm saying? They had a lot of lots of risk, a lot on the line. Mm-hmm. Would they have another pick uh, outside the top five after tanking for 
two or three straight seasons. So, you know, they're going to be able to get a, a good good player to say. Okay, yeah, okay, see getting number two and number 12. They're, they're going to be set. Um, yeah, I guess the only thing I'll change is stop dragging them kids to this lottery. Don't let these kids be kids. I don't think we have to see Paolo and Chet in tuxedos in the front row to understand like what's going to happen here. They're going to get drafted. But quick, real quick. So we got Orlando one, OKC two. Houston Rockets three, Sacramento Kings four, Pistons five. I'm not gonna run the whole lottery. It's just a quick top five of what we got going on. Um, anything set up a certain way that you're keeping your eye on? I mean, my Chet Holmgren to the Magic Dream is alive now that I mentioned like months ago. So clairvoyant best strikes again. But besides that, anything you uh, caught your eye on this one? Yeah, I mean, start off this way. The first time that we're kind of taking a slight deep dive on the draft, I'm gonna give my uh, early take. I think the big thing for me in this draft is, again, you're trying to find a transited talent who can be a player that can not only be an offensive weapon, somebody that can get a bucket for you, lead your, your team in that regard, but also be effective as a playmaker, a passer, shot creator. Um, I think Paolo Bonchero is the best player in the draft. I don't think he's going to go number one. Um, if I was you know, starting my franchise around a player, I would look for the size he has, the skill he has, the playmaking ability. Um, the guy that can be a go-to score for your team and franchise and, and somebody in Duke scheme who I would say is an underrated defender. I don't think he's the best defender in the world, but he has a lot of intangible skills that can make him, you know, a top dog. And I think we're going to look back on this and, you know, I think Chet is great. I think he's, he's going to be better than what he is now, but what we saw in Gonzaga as a player that can be incredibly dynamic and impactful on both sides of the ball, outside of the fact that he's, you know, seven feet plus and can dribble, shoot and pass. So um, I think if you're taking him, you're taking an upside play. Um, I would personally go Bonchero number one. Interesting things to look at is that, you know, with the Kings floating around trying to be a playoff team next season, they came on and said that that's their, you know, their statement that they're trying to be a playoff team. I don't know if they're going to keep the pick and try to get some, you know, youth and versatility. Shaden Sharp is a guy they can kind of target there if they want to add another piece, but they potentially could trade out of the top five. And I would be interested to see, you know, who of maybe those you know, mid of a lot of the teams want to be in the top five to take a guy like him or Duran or somebody else, you know, who potentially could trade in. That's something to look forward to in the top five. But outside of that, I think the Spurs are going to be interesting because they always are. <laughs> Anytime they're picking inside the top 10, you kind of assume that something crazy could happen. Um, that The back half, though, of the, of the lottery, I think, you know, the OKC Thunder could probably target a guy like Usman Jang, um, you know, France kid. 6'9", 6'10", pretty versatile wing. I think there's a lot of players, though. I mean, we could go on forever, but yeah, man, it's, it's good to see that there's a lot of young talent in the league that's going to transform everything we, we have going on right now. But um, that Jabari Smith, if you could get him at two or three, whew, he's going to be a game changer as well. So I wasn't high on him, but the more I learn, the more I'm like, oh, he really is. Oh, he, how tall is he? <laughs> oh, we're, yeah, Auburn guards, we're, we're kind of trash. Yeah, he really can't shoot. <laughs> you imagine him next to Shea and Giddy. It's like, hmm, I, I, I might just did something. 42% from three on on uh, five attempts a game. Like, that's something for a college player to do. If you can transcend any of that, you know, he's going to be a weapon. Um, and he can guard a little bit. Not not the best perimeter defender. I think he's a little bit overrated in that regard, but he can do it. I think his biggest thing is ball handling. You know, anybody that wants to compare him uh, to, like, Rashard Lewis, even, like, less ball handling T-Mac, like, he's not that guy right now. I don't think he's as fluid with the ball in his hands. His center of gravity is kind of high. His base is kind of high. So until he can kind of develop that part of his game, I don't think he's a wing, but he's a dynamic four, I'll tell you that. I just don't see a world where – Chet Holmgren is a bad basketball player. I just don't see it. Yeah. And if you're OKC, you can't miss all the – when you actually – maybe you can miss because you have all those dumb, dumb picks. You Maybe you have more chances at it. But number two pick is no joke. You want to come away with a future – a guaranteed starter, hopefully future all-star on your team. 
Um, but you never know. Uh, sometimes you get Jamal Murray. Sometimes you get Emmanuel Moutier. <laughs> yeah. And on that topic, the Minnesota Timberwolves just poached away Tim Connolly of the Nuggets to be a part of their franchise organization with Alex Rodriguez and company kind of taking over ownership in the future. You have a situation where Glenn Taylor wants to go out on a high note. They made the playoffs this past season. I think Glenn Taylor wants to be known as more than a joke. <laughs> so he's yeah. trying to do everything he can to, you know, boister the Timberwolves in the eyes of the league and the public at large, which is, well, one, raise the price of his team. <laughs> so I see you there. And two, just, I mean, it's what you should have done the whole time. You should always take pride in, in your work. And if you're going to own a team, your name's by the team owner, you should always take pride in your work. I think they're finally trying to make steps of doing that. Um, I did a little dirt. Uh, a little dig in. Tim Connolly is a guy who's been in the league since 96, working with Washington. Um, is a guy who's made his, his leaps as a scout guy, um, watching tons of film until he finally, you know, 14, 15 years later, became a, a front office guy for, for New Orleans. And he, after being there for a bit, he hopped on with Masai in Denver in tw- uh, 2000, early 2010s. And once Masai left for Toronto in 2013, Tim Connolly became the guy. And as the guy in Denver in 2013, he's made several excellent picks, such as getting uh, Vanderbilt and getting Jokic in the second round or getting drafting, you know, like I said, Murray, uh, Porter, I mean, Bones Highland. The, the reason this team, I mean, again, you got Monte Morris in the second round too. Just the way this guy can see talent and see depth, he's shooting a very high percentage. I did mention he drafted Emmanuel Moutier. No shade to Emmanuel Moutier, just didn't work out in the league for you. But talented kid, it didn't work out. But uh, same thing with Tyler Lydon, I think his name was. It's Trey, or I think it's Tyler Lydon. Um, another guy who went top, went lotto. And didn't, yeah, yeah, and didn't pan out. That happens. Uh, but if, you, if you're shooting 12 or 14 on lottery picks and draft picks, you're doing a very, very good job. So for the past decade or so, he's just been very dominant, very respected, very well-liked, uh, very good at his job. And now he, Denver loses him. He goes to Minnesota. They get, You know what his bag was? You want to guess his bag, Tyler, for me as an executive? You hear about what he got paid? Take a guess. Uh, five years what? Five years what? Give me a number. Eight mil a year, right? Huh? It was eight mil a year. It's like 40 mil total or something like oh, that. Oh, yes. Yeah. They gave this dude $40 million to be an executive of a basketball team. Now I ain't saying he don't deserve it because he's probably generated more than that. It's just crazy to think about that. Like, he's getting paid uh, league money, player money as an executive. Doubled his salary, doubled his net worth. You love to see it. Shout out to him, Connolly. Hey, when a good job goes well, it goes well, and they get him in equity of the team. Yeah. So he really can get his back. He might double that if he gets insert percentage of the team and they make, you know, a billion more dollars over time. But hey, salute to him. Uh smart move. I would do the same thing. Like they they're smart. They know, hey, we're the we're ownership. You know, it makes ownership look good, uh, good management. So they yeah. got the best management possible. They have a young star player, so hopefully they can all get aligned and we can see relevant basketball in Minnesota for the first time since I've been, you know, 10. <laughs> so there, there's that. Uh, yeah, man. Any thoughts on that? How you feel? Do you, you think it's a smart move? Are you mad at him for going into division, interdivision with the trade? Or? No, I mean, I think the big thing here is like it's, it's, it's just straight up advancement. You know, you do so much as a sports professional in this industry to, you know, show that you're competent, not only in executing, but being a visionary and leader of, of your whole division. So I think for him, if you're going to throw me two and a half times my salary, like that's a no brainer. You know, I think he definitely built something in Denver. The fact that, you know, he saw, you know, Jokic get his, you know, his MVP and things of that nature. 
I don't know if there's a lot that could change, especially with the injuries that have happened. So for him to take this opportunity to not only level up in one regard to, to help Minnesota get out of their, their slum, but also he got that bag, man. So <laughs> I ain't mad at him. Go take that cash, man. Do it for your family, for your legacy. You know what I'm saying? So he'll, he'll be fine. I think he has equity on his deal as well. So I, I want to see what type of diesels come out of that. So, And there we go. I think I think it'll be fine. But yeah, no, no, no hate. Get your bag, bro. Um, so I don't want to spend too much time on this because the listeners are going to know what happened. But I don't think it's too soon to congratulate Golden State on another finals appearance. I, I mean, whether it comes game five or game four. I will say Golden State is notoriously bad at closing out for some reason. They're up 3-0. They did not get the job done on that first try. I think they have a, a severely negative record under Steve Kerr and getting that, that closeout, first closeout game. And it's a hard game to get. Closeout is hard because you got a talented team playing for this, their life, and you're like up 3-0. You have that mental comfort built in. But if they can close out game four or game five, even maybe game six if it gets crazy. Um you know, they're looking at another finals with this group, and this group's been special. It's a really good run they're on, a special run they're on. Uh, I think Dallas has played a better series than you would expect, looking at the 3-0 number. But at the end of the day, Luka's doing his job. He could be, you know, 10% better on D and be in 5% better shape. But he delivered reasonably what you can expect the guy with Kyle to deliver. That's a lot. I don't know who to really blame. They got a good game out of Brunson, gave a 30-piece in, in game two. I mean, the role players are failing, but Dorian Finney-Smith and Reggie Bullock, and in particular, right now, and uh, and Bertans, they really, they're really struggling. But yeah, the, the only way the Mavs are going to win this series was others stepping up and other guys giving you twenty you didn't expect, and that's just not happening. They're not shooting well, they're not executing, and I have to apologize for Steph Curry and Golden State. I really do. I we we both do. I I thought this was a Mavs series to have. I was very confident. Now, I mean, I, I thought it was a coin flip, but, you know, if you can get good odds on the dog, go underdog. Fuck it, you know. I thought Luca could dismantle them, and Luca has dismantled them, but it's not getting you dubs, so it doesn't really matter. Um, so, well-played season for the Mavericks, well-played season for, the, for Golden State. Um, if Golden State wins, I mean, I didn't see a seed coming, but you never know. And if the Mavs win, hey, let it fight another day. Yeah, man, it's – it's interesting because when you look back at this series, I think for the most part, uh, you're seeing, you know, one very capable team execute a defensive strategy and another team on the offensive side of the floor just, just doesn't have enough bullets in the chamber. You know, Luca proved that anytime he scores over 40, uh, I believe they're two and eight in those matchups. And if he has to will them to victory, it's only going to work for so long. I think the big things that we were thinking that, you know, the, the role players could play a lot better, especially on on their home floor. You know, we know they potentially would struggle on the road, but Reggie Bullock going over last night. I mean, good Lord, like you're not going to win too many basketball games if your shooters don't hit a single three, you know, spacing the floor, making you play them and really contest those shots, get out of the paint. That enables them to have those driving lanes where Luka can then get to the rack, get to the free throw line and actually be a playmaker. When you can basically put two on the ball, it's it's just curtains, you know. So I think Luka is going to continue to develop, but the Mavs have to, at some point, you know, they're going to have to add some some really capable playmaking wing talent outside of Luka. Or I'll say this, you know, I think a, a big stringent point for them was that they weren't putting any pressure on the rim. You know, the fact that Golden State was living in the paint. And I think in one game, the, the Dallas Mavericks had like three rim attempts. So basically three shot attempts inside the paint. In a, in, a, in a whole basketball game, like a lot That's of the, embarrassing. 
it's crazy. Like, like a lot of the pick and rolls they're running, they're literally just facing to the wing. So, you know, they're never forcing you know, the, the Golden State Warriors defense to bend, shift, or break. So if you're not doing that, they're never going to be in rotation. So you're basically just going to be playing one-on-one a lot, which is, you know, credit Jason Kidd for finding out how to get Luka capable shots. But against his Golden State defense, they're capable and adept to, you know, shout out to Wiggins, retain his, his, his matchup and not have to need help and not have to concede driving lanes. So, yeah, man, I think the defense has outperformed expectation. And clearly Dallas needs more offensive weapons. So it, it sucks to say, but uh, they're probably going to go down swinging in this next game. They have to. I mean, you're looking at a Mavs team who relied on driving kick. Yeah. Relied on five out to get their offense done. And now and one thing you keep in mind, Sal Steve Jones pointing this out. Uh they're really not letting Luca get to the switch he wants to get to. So he's not able to post up. And that yeah. post up was a big deal for them having success in Utah and especially in Phoenix with Billy and Chris Paul. Poor Chris Paul. Um, so they haven't been able to put Luca on the block like you would want, which is in lies talk about the paint touches you mentioned about getting to the paint. That's all tied together. They cannot get inside. The five out doesn't always work for them. And now you got a situation where you're relying on Reggie Bullock and Dorian Finney-Smith to combine for 10 threes a game. And no knock on those guys. They're, they're streaky. Like, even Bertans, who I think is an excellent shooter when he's on, is streaky. Max, Yo, Maxi Kleber shook. He shook, daddy. He wants no parts of these threes, no parts of these games. And, and that's the fucked up part. The thing that hurt me was... I think personally, Miami or Boston never wins that series. I think they're going to beat Golden State because both these teams can defend their ass off. There's no, you look at like the Heat play certain lineups, you can attack some guys, but the Celtics especially don't play a lineup where you can attack anybody. Yeah. Golden State has several leaky holes. I figured that a guy like Luka would be able to take advantage of that. But this Golden State team is also a quarterback by the smartest defensive mind in the game. Right. Supported by a team who's doing everything they can to cover up for their mistakes. And Steph Curry somehow is like the best worst defender. He's so smart and he's physical and he tries his ass off. He's just not big. But Steph's really not that bad of a defender still. Clay looks a little a little stiff, but that's to be expected. But they get just enough from putting by having Looney out there and Porter out there and Andrew Wiggins. It's My- not taking this long to mention Andrew Wiggins. Let's say <laughs> I'm gonna hey, go ahead. Hey. Platform man, I've slandered Wiggins a lot in this podcast, <laughs> but that game three was incredible. He played Luca to a draw. And if you have Andrew Wiggins, your fourth best guy, arguably fifth best guy, playing their superstar to a draw, you won. You're gonna win that game. And Wiggins did a great job of getting boards, being aggressive, being assertive, going to the rack with force. That dunk, my lord, Jeez. that's a top ten playoff dunk all time, bro. Given bro, and and for the nerve. Of the yeah. ref to call that ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous. Hold your swallow your whistle, bro. How do you watch that in real time in person and think I gotta he made be it part so of this? quick too? It was an immediate reaction. I'm like, get this guy up out of here. So, yeah, are you serious? I'm just gonna go into a theory. He wanted to watch it slow mo like 10 times in a row. That's the only reason a human being has to call that kind of foul, but I'm not gonna go into it. Uh, I think officiating has been up, up and down this whole playoff run, but it's been it's been mostly mostly good. Yeah. I think a lot of the problems that we've had have been the review stuff and the flagrant stuff, which is not really officiating per se, more so the way the game is being shoved towards that direction. I'll say. But um, let me ask is, you, what's up? You got Luca right. Seeing yeah. him out this way, the fact that he finally kind of pushed past the second round and made it to a conference finals. Yeah. If I said, you know, in the next five years, over under on Luka championships at 1.5, you're going over under that number. Do you think that they can assemble a team around him or he could just be that good to to get to the finals? 
and those are those are finals appearances. So one point oh, appearances. Yeah, yeah. Over the next five years. Yeah. Do you think that they can make it another two or three times to the to the final? Do you think they're gonna get to that level? In yeah, I, I definitely do. Uh, winning a chip, I would say under because it's too much talent in the league. I respect it's too many good guys in the league, but you gotta look at the landscape. And five years. There will, be, there will be no LeBron shit. In four years, there'll be no LeBron James in the NBA. Yep. Steph Curry with 37 years old. I okay. look at it like this is Yoke. This is about to be the era of the European white. We're going to see Nikola <laughs> Jokic. Giannis. <laughs> yeah, right, 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 right. I'm especially especially this is a West Coast conversation, especially. Yeah, it's going yeah. to be a lot of Jokic, a lot of Luka Doncic dominating the West. It's gonna be a lot of Nuggets one, Mavs two. Nuggets three, Mavs. You know, it's gonna be a lot of Nuggets and Mavs in our lives over the next three to four to five years. Memphis and John them are right there, right there. So I take back my European comment. I apologize to my sensitive listeners, um, but but I, I really I really think that yeah, Luca's gonna be able to get there because Utah's gonna implode. Look, look look at who is the most popular teams right now in the West. Phoenix, Chris Paul's gonna be washed in three years, two three years. LeBron's going to be washed in two, three years. Or not washed, but no longer LeBron. I mean, if he's LeBron at 41, he's the GOAT. All right, I'm done arguing. I do think uh, LeBron's going to play till 40, but I think to your point, he's going to be in, you know, tool it down, Moses Malone, you know what I'm saying? Right, right. 96 back, Magic. Yeah. yeah 88 Kareem. 15, 8 and 8. Wait till his son plays, you know? Right, right. 2013. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. It's no way he's going to be the, the same guy. So if Chris Paul and Steph and LeBron are all too old to make those appearances, that opens up lanes for Dai, Jokic, and Luka. And a part of me is like, if, if they, they don't do anything at all, they don't do anything and just get these guys better, get Brunson better, doing what he remains a threat, and they can work around the fringes, as you say, and get a couple of more role players in there and guys that fit, get a real center maybe, like a Miles Turner trade per se or something like that then they're gonna be a top four or five team every year in the west top four probably especially if luca gets in shape for fucking once they're gonna be right there if they can somehow make a swing you know package together Bertans hardaway and and throw in brunson and get a star star or work something out they're gonna be definitely a threat i mean i'll as a betting man i'd have to if you gave me six years 1.5 i'd say over easily but five years man it's so many good it's so many good players so many good guys but you know what i i'll say i'll say over so i think luca and company will make it to the finals twice in the next five years just looking at the landscape of the west and who's good right now who's gonna be good moving forward he's a pretty healthy guy too health-wise he doesn't get majorly hurt too often yeah i can see it i mean another team you throw in there is too you know with this uh, asset accumulation we saw Philly take a really quick leap. I think the Thunder could be a team in the West at the back end of that five-year mark that could probably make some noise. Not in the NBA. Oh five. yeah, prime Chet, prime Shea. Yeah. I, I think again, you know, they're gonna, <laughs> they get a uh, get the boy. I think they're going to continue to do it. It's, it's not going to end with with Chet or Jabari Smith. I think they want one Benyama in the twenty twenty three draft. So that's going to be another thing I look forward to. But no, yeah, you can't. They're going to do it. They're already doing it. They, they have too much talent on that team to get women. Yeah, if they get him, that means they sucked again. They need to stop wasting Shay's prime. All right, they have five to seven very good young players. Like very, like Dort, Giddy, and Shay is enough to compete night to night. And then you start looking at young Trey. Then you bring in a Paolo. You bring in like another young great rookie. They're gonna suck. But they're not. That, that's that's for Orlando to get. That's not for them to get. 
unless they send Shea home again, which to me is just wrong, bro. I, I imagine if like the first, I guess it's different because LeBron's LeBron, but I don't like the idea of having young, talented players just not playing so teams can tank to get more young, talented players. Losing isn't good. Like I'm, I'm so happy Shea had that one year in LA and that one year Chris Paul. Noah Williams likes so he has a heart and soul. For one, for that those two years, this man would not not know any success in the league at all at any level, and that's not good. He, you can't. Your leader can't be just have a career record of like eighty and hundred and ninety five. That's just not what two hundred and fifty. It's not what you want. But yeah, yeah, you're right though. OKC is too much we should look out for. I really can't wait to see how how Giddy and Shea develop. And how they work out because Shea is a top twenty player in my eyes. In my personal, like him paying his best, I five, eight, and six. I mean, he shoots. He, he's a he's an overused overused player right now. But I think as they develop more of the guys around him, you're going to see them kind of come into their own. Where he looks more of as a well rounded player, not just a, a bomber. You know what I'm saying? Somebody just trying to get a bucket. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think he's going to help that. Of course, they're they're going to continue to develop. Drives to the rack relentlessly oh, over yeah. and over and over with fact. He's like fast, slow. He's just insane. I did not think I talked about OKC this podcast. So thank you, Tyler. I didn't think I hey, even mentioned look, OKC here, here's twice. Um, you know, speaking of driving to the rack, I mean, uh, this this Miami Heat Celtics series, uh, a defensive melee, uh, <laughs> especially uh, night when your NBA uh, Miami Heat. You know, they um their their starters went not a single person over ten points. I don't know what you're talking I, about. I've never seen happen before. I'm I, but what what game was this? It wasn't game four. It happened game four. You know what I'm saying? Looking at a box score. Um but what's, it's a, what's a box score? <laughs> Jimmy Butler is, is, is not hundred percent. I think this team is 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 really trying to to get some offensive flow. Victor Oladipo, you know, twenty plus points. But when you're you know, initiating offense with Bam Metabio. For 48 minutes, it's it's gonna be a struggle. So I was I was not shocked at the outcome though. The comeback was was definitely good to see. I think that eventually you're gonna to have to see this team. What can they be if they're healthy, right? Like if Jimmy Butler needs to sit a game and you think that that's gonna help, you know, bring him back when he's mm -mm, I don't wanna bring Jimmy to a game six in Boston. He ain't twenty twelve LeBron. I don't want no game. I don't want any down three two going back to my Boston because you know, last time we had that, we had LeBron James at his absolute peak. Okay, that he ain't walking through that door. All right, <laughs> I don't want to go down to Boston, bro. Without Jimmy, we're cooked. Without healthy Kyle, we're cooked. With ben, without Tyler Hero, we're cooked. And I hate saying the last two parts of those three things. It, it's really not fun. This Heat team is—they're scrappy, they're fun, they're talented, and fully healthy. They are definitely a contender. They—they are an elite team when they're all healthy. But we haven't been all healthy all fucking year. You know, this version of Kyle Lowry is not going to get it done, even though he's playing a lot better. And I love his pace. I love how we're always looking to score first. If you don't score in a look ahead, you know, pass ahead, try to get a fast break bucket, we'll come, we'll come back down and set up our offense that way. I love that about Kyle. But, I mean, you've seen it. The man tried to run and couldn't run anymore. Like, he's, yeah. he's, he's blatantly hobbled. Jimmy can't get – I can jump higher than Jimmy right now. You know, Jimmy's lift is gone, yeah. and it's and it's upsetting. Um. It's one of those things where it's gonna be. This is a trenches fight right here. This is a rock fight. This is all. Of, this is gonna be a battle of attrition. You know, they got Jason Tatum with a bum shoulder, Marcus Smart with a bum foot, Rob Williams with a bum knee. We got Tyler with a bad groin. We got Jimmy with a bum knee. Kyle with a bad hammy. It's, it's, a, it's a bunch of hobble. This is not which like this is the NBA's fault. Put more fucking space between these games, you know. Yeah. But sure. they're not. 
they're not travel travel uh day that's too damn bad all right you're gonna get over it our our guys are banged up and we usually do the banging but now we're the ones getting banged on and it's not it's not great straight i'm not having a good time straight up not having a good time bro just not enjoying this um that was probably the worst i've ever seen to any basketball game ever like I, i've watched so many games where damn they're down three to three to 25 they suck or damn they're down four to 30. man how'd that happen when it's your team that's down like 20 points in the first quarter what do you say to that like it it, it felt as if someone put an invisible lid over the rim yeah and yeah. It, it was one of those days like don't get me wrong Boston didn't even that's, that's why I'm worried Tyler Boston didn't even shoot well nah. <laughs> they didn't even shoot great like Derek White made his first little jump and after that he did not get active the rest of the game thank God it was so many times where they hit, I was like they hit this three it's over and they didn't hit the three thank God but they missed a lot more than they should have and so for us the Heat also missed a lot more than they should have I saw several bunnies from Bam and PJ and uh and Jimmy just rimming it out and that was unfortunate mm-hmm. um wasn't enjoying that but you know a lot of those shots were just that's just good defense from boston like we missed some bunnies but the rest of those were just boston strapping up putting the hard hat on and us not having too many answers if jimmy can't do his little weird shimmy jab move to get past dudes and like explosion the rim what are we doing bam what the fuck are you doing like I was, I, I'm, I'm kind of happy we record once a week or as of right now because if you were doing a day by day, every other day pod, you would hear me go up and down like, a, like, a, like what, what's them things, MKGs or whatever. Jeez, man, like after game two, I'm like fuck, bam, he a fraud, he ain't real. What's this bullshit? Six, bo- what, how many rebounds? What are you serious? Are you really bought that shit? Game three, oh my god, love, bam, you're amazing, thirty-one point. I knew you could do it, bam, you're the best. But now it's starting to be a trend where, like, if big man in paint, bam, don't play. Big man not in paint, bam, play good. It's like it's like it's like the man can't. If it's any friction, whether it be in B or Robert Williams or Gobert, he does not bring it. It's, it's and if it, they're, not, they're not like I thought it was like oh people exaggerate. That's not true. But I looked it up, bro. His three best games are when there's no opposition, and 36 year old Al Horford is not opposition. I'm sorry, he's been amazing. But he's the same build as Bam, but 10 years older. He has bad knees. The man's old. All right, shit. Yeah. I'm just frustrated with Bam's play all overall. It's like he doesn't know he's the man. Like, you're the man on this team. If, if, if Look at two years, look at the tape two years ago. You're the reason we beat Boston so bad last time. I don't, don't get me wrong. Boston's better. I'm not going to pretend Rob's not a different player. Like, Tim didn't make a leap. Like, the whole team got better. But at the end of the day, who on that team can guard Bam out of bio? I mean, Robert Williams, yes, can guard him. But there's no reason. I'd rather Bam take 15, 16 shot attempts and miss 10 of them things than him take four shot attempts. And I mentioned this before the series started. What did I say, Tyler? We need to go from five to 10 to 12, 14, 15 shot attempts. But no, this man is being timid. And and it's not like we just saw what you can do when you do a game three should have shown you, oh, shit, I really can't be that guy. So where does that game three bam go? And you can't put it on Robert Williams. You can't say it's all him. That would be bonkers. Robert Williams is a great defender. He is truly, he's truly special. He's, he's, he's great. And he's a freak. But he ain't that. He's not Kim Olajuwon combined with Greg Payton, combined with young Shaq. Like, what are we doing here? Yeah, I mean, I think one of the big things that the Heat have been able to do over the course of the season, it is their defensive identity. You know, they're a team that's going to, you know, lock and trail on screens. They're going to play up to the touch. They're going to be really physical, super aggressive 
on both sides of the ball, but mainly on defense, you know, because that's how they get it, forcing turnovers. Anytime they're, you know, plus 15 in terms of steals and deflections, their team is going to win. Their average margin of victory in games where they've been able to get 10 or plus steals is, you know, about 15 or more points. So I think that if you're, they're not able to do that and really disrupt what you're doing on the offensive side of the ball, it's going to be tough for them to get stops. Um, the offensive adjustment for the Celtics and basically going big, not necessarily just leaving out Horford, but playing with two bigs, either Tice or Grant Williams, that's been a huge deterrence to Bam. You see him go off when he has, you know, 14, 15 shot attempts, and he's just living in the paint. I think in the third quarter of the other game, he was, you know, 75% just in terms of efficiency. But if, if they have Grant Williams on, on him and Al Horford is shading him two steps away, it's tough for him. It's too congested in the paint. And again, their main weapon is the pick and roll and a lot of these pistol handoffs when Jimmy Butler's off the floor. Because their guards aren't as dynamic as they probably should in terms of getting to the paint, they have to do such crazy things on the perimeter, you know, running them off triple staggers into a pick and roll um, into getting them into the lane. And, and, and I like Gabe Vincent, and I think Old Depot has surprised me, to be honest. Kyle Lowry's, you know, absence is hurt, but I definitely think that, you know, they've been able to do some things in terms of shot creation and playmaking, but they really just don't have that dynamic threat to get to the basket and, you know, get one of those guys in foul trouble or just be a guy that can drive and dish, hit the short roll occasionally. So, yeah, man, it's an uphill battle if Jimmy Butler's going to miss time. I would love to say Bam can go crazy, but the way that the Celtics have been playing big and just mucking up the paint um, and getting out in transition and actually running occasionally has has been a huge deterrence to some of the, the Miami Heat's flow offense. So, yeah, man, I'm I'm looking to see if he's going to play hurt. That's the big question. Is Jimmy going to go crazy? You know what I'm saying? Max DNA mode and just, you know, thug it out, limping up the court, or is he just going to sit it? I, I want to see what they could be if he's off the floor. It's going to be a huge question for the rest of the series. If they wanted to go seven, though, I think Jimmy's going to have to play. So, Yeah, if Jimmy doesn't play anymore, we're done because I don't want to go back to that building down 3-2. That doesn't seem ideal. I feel like uh, – I mean, Robert Williams might not play the rest of the series. He looked really hobbled after a couple plays there in game four. Hope he's healthy, honestly. I don't want to see him down. Um, so I, it's, it's frustrating all around. I, I'm The one thing I'm curious to see is if they don't play Robert Williams, uh, if they're going to go small with Tatum at four and have less ties, or they're going to go a little ties, a little grant. But, yeah, to me, you don't have, um, you don't have Rob put Grant at four keep it simple you know and then off the bench you can swap out grant for Pritchard, move Tatum down and rotate your wings rotate your guards figure it out we'll see man but uh we'll dig into this series a little more as it goes on we'll we'll kind of know after game uh five what the temperature is game five is a big one honestly for the heat it's a must win boston will lose this one to still be in it in my opinion i hate to say it but it's true yeah. um but man the heat have to win this you don't it's just you don't you don't want to be in that situation, man. Um, so we'll see what happens, man. Bam has to get the pep talk. I know Pat and and, and Spo right there chewing his ass, bro. So I hope that works out. We'll see, man. Um, but we'll see with the Mavs too how that goes. But you got you got a one thing for me, man. We got, you got anything you want to mention? Yes, indeed, man. My one thing. I'm going to the music. You already know. Uh, Kendrick Lamar, uh, dropped his much-awaited uh album, Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers. Um, I've always been a, a Kendrick fan back to, you know, what I'm saying Section 80 um, back to his oldies. You know, what I'm saying I was really surprised that he put the how the hard part five out as soon as he did. But once it came out, I knew that that would signify his album. And that thing was crazy, man. From a visual perspective, all the things he was saying, the messaging, putting the image of, of Nipsey and Kobe and all those greats um, that would that really moved me. You know, I listened to that a lot. 
Um, and I think it resonates with not only our people, but anybody that's kind of felt lost at that high value, but also knowing like all the self-worth and, you know, positivity that he was speaking in some of those verses. Um, it is cold, man. I, re I really like the album. Um, I don't want to rank it. I think it's too early. I'm, I'm still somebody that likes to let albums sit and just ride with you for a little bit, especially one of this magnitude. Um, I think, you know, it could be one of his last in his current label and he could probably do his own thing after that. Um, but Kendrick is a great man. He's a go. I think lyrically, he's always going to be in my top five. Um, definitely somebody that allows you to think and, and process different things that you're going through. I really like that he talked about uh, grief on the album a lot, something in the black community that's not talked about. Um, mm -hmm. Anxiety concerns, you know what I'm saying, uh, transgenders, um, anybody that's not felt free in their space. He enabled them to kind of understand, hey, I, I know what that feels like. I had it in my family. You know what I'm saying? It's everybody's the same at the end of the day. And we just all express ourselves differently. So uh, it was cool to hear him kind of talk about that. And, and even from the trauma perspective, man, some of those songs, yeah, they're kind of dark. You know what I'm saying? But he, real. Has that, yes. he has that real, you know what I'm saying, that feel. And, and it's always going to resonate with our community and us specifically. So I, I love the album, man. I'm, uh, I think I'm like, what, 15 plays in and, I, and I'm, it's still an A plus for me. Get bitches off me like, mm. Get bitches yeah. off me like, mm. <laughs> I heard in 95 and stuff. Tell me, I was. Bro, 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 you out of pocket. <laughs> You're ugly as fuck. <laughs> that shit's incredible, bro. I love Kendrick. Is he my favorite rapper? Probably not. But in my opinion, he's probably the greatest rapper alive. Like, as far as like the the combination of ability, the concepts, the like the skill, uh, flows, just the inventiveness, his bodies of work, his albums. I think, like, for real, yeah. Like, like little baby is one and Kendrick the best alive right now. I mean, it's tons of people like Tyler as well. I go on a list forever, but right now, like for the past few years, I think Kendrick's been someone who's really been pushing the envelope for a long time, especially this past decade. I'm gonna keep my shit brief. Um, we own this city. I cannot talk about it enough. It's incredible. I keep watching it. It's already my one thing again. I'm gonna do it again because it's gonna um the finale is next Sunday. I think it's an incredible show. If you like The Wire, go check it out. It's on HBO. We own this city. John Bernthal's. Give that man the Emmy. Give him the fucking Emmy. All right. He's killing it. He's incredible. Uh, very authentic to what's going on right now. I really enjoy it. Um, yeah, man. That's where I'm at. That's all we got this week. More pod to come. Um, hopefully, I won't be heartbroken as a Heat fan. We'll see how it plays out. <laughs> Hey, we're getting down to the nitty gritty. Glad for y'all listening. Thanks for rocking with the best. We're going to hit y'all next week. Peace and love. Appreciate y'all. Put all your hands with my eyes to see. Straight up violent in a place to be. If you really want to party with me. And God we trust. Yo, it's a must that you heard of us. Yo, we murder us. A lot of people is wondering and they're curious. I mean, in my unit, do it is so mysterious. Furious, all of my people is serious. Should others be walking around fearing us? Front, baby, like you don't want to be hearing us. Gotta listen to Harry D. He'll be playing us. 30 times a day, it'll make you delirious. Damaging everything all up in your area. Yo, it's funny how all the chickens be always serving us all up in between the ants. Really